In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have, continuing in the epistles, similar theme with St. Paul, even though it's a different letter. If you recall, last week was the letter to the the Thessalonians, and this week is to the Ephesians. And the letter to the Ephesians we have before us today is the beginning of chapter 5, a very important chapter in that epistle. But I would like to back us up just a little bit to kind of give us a running start into the epistle because St. Paul, at the end of chapter 4, lists things that we are not to do and things that we are to do. And it is the beginning of this epistle from the Mass today, the beginning of chapter 5, that helps us understand what he means when he says, Be followers of God as most dear children. Or in the Latin, imitatores dei imitators of God. So at the end of the chapter previous, he counsels us to put away lying, to have no anger which is sinful, to put away stealing, to have no evil speech, to avoid all bitterness, anger, indignation, clamor, that is, a violent, angry assertion of one's real or supposed rights or being wronged, reviling. All these things are unbecoming of each of us. But he counsels once again, be kind, be merciful, that is, tender-hearted, forgiving as God has forgiven you. And that is something we always have to remember especially if we are going to really pray the Our Father. Our forgiveness is conditional. It is true God loves us unconditionally, but the forgiveness that He offers is conditional. That we forgive as we are forgiven. And this then leads into the fifth chapter. Be imitators of God. Be followers of God as most dear children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and sacrificed himself for us. It should be very poignant to us, very prominent to us in the time of Lent. The image of the crucifix. That is our God. That is our model. We have to take it seriously because it is serious. And this is what love looks like. The crucifix. Dying to oneself and living in love for another. All creation displays the perfections of God. Everything. The sea imitates, as it were, God's immensity. The mountains, the Alps, the Pyrenees, the Rockies, the Himalayas, Show us the grandeur, the splendor, and the solidity of God. His immutability. The beauty of creatures, their order, their harmony. All evidence, some perfection of God. But it is not until we get to man and the angels that we get to a real image of God. And thus we are made in God's image and to reflect His perfection according to our nature, 
not the immensity of the sea or the grandeur of the mountains, but in something far more immense, something far more grand, that is in our intellect to know the truth, and our will to love the good, and to serve God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and love our neighbor as ourself. This is how we follow God, according to our nature in following the commandments. And before it was very difficult for our race, from the time of Adam up until the time of our Lord, for we're trying to imitate an invisible God. But God has had mercy on us. Never forget that, of how merciful God is. Not just in forgiving our sins, but in giving everything to us to make it easy, as easy as it is, as possible, for us to imitate God, to be sanctified, and ultimately to increase our own happiness. That is the, the mercy and generosity of God. For in the fullness of time, God came among us. God the invisible is now God the visible in Christ through the Incarnation. And He is the one who tells us, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How do we do that, O Lord? If ye love me, keep my commandments. He doesn't say some of them. It is a categorical command. We must keep all of them. And even more so, if we are, as St. Paul says, to imitate God as most dear children. The law of grace for us is a light burden, but it is a burden. We have a greater responsibility, you and I, because we are baptized, confirmed, we are Catholic. We must go beyond simply obeying the commandments and rise above that to live a life of active charity. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and imitating in His perfections inasmuch as our nature is capable to love God with our whole heart, our neighbor as ourselves, to be kind, to be merciful, to be tender-hearted, to forgive, This is the life of Christian charity, which we must do. And Lent is the time of taking stock of how we are doing, so that we can ask God's grace to do it better. But I must give a word, because it is in the epistle, and it is timely for us, where St. Paul says, let no one deceive you. It's very important for us because we are in a time of great confusion and I do not blush to say a time of crisis in the world and in the church where people are calling ugly things beautiful, bad things good, wrong things right. Vice is presented by the world and in the world and even my fellow churchmen as something elegant as perhaps a social or a re even a religious virtue. Evil is presented as good and beautiful under the guise of being pastoral or charitable. We must stick with what St. Paul says and the perennial teaching of the church. Let no one deceive us. God does not change and God is not mocked. We must hold fast to the truths of the faith.
her dogmatic and her moral teaching. More than that, we must live it if we are to be saved. For there is only one more law for all time. Sin is always the same. Evil is not beautiful. To try to find in illicit things, beauty is a waste of time. We know where beauty lies. It is in the commandments and the teachings of Christ. The more we obey them, the more we live that active life of Christian charity, the more beautiful things are. So we must not be fooled or lulled into complacency because what happens is under the guise of beauty is simply an outlet for our baser passions. For what is essentially evil always will be essentially evil and can never be freely chosen. Anything that puts us into danger of falling into evil must be avoided. This is what St. Paul is on about. Things such as he lists, those evil things, mustn't even be mentioned among us. It should be so foreign to us that we are as dear children, innocent of such evils, not selling even our thoughts, let alone our tongues or our actions with them. God is not changed, and neither has the nature He has given us. Evil cannot be beautiful. Under the term beauty is often used as a disguise for something that satisfies our baser instincts, pulls us down. And remember, down is not the direction we want to go, but always up, always higher. No, we must live so as to create beauty. And beauty is splendor of right order. Beauty is the opposite of ugliness. Evil is ugliness. Beauty, the splendor of right order, is goodness. It is justice. It is truth. So let us not be deceived or lulled. Let us put away things of ugliness and of evil and counsel those around us to do the same. Not to hear the sweet words which lead to perdition, but rather turn back, be imitators of God as most dear children, walk in the love as Christ has loved us, to forgive those who do evil, to pray for them, for that is truly charitable, to be merciful, to be tender, to be kind, to put away bitterness, anger, indignation, clamor and reviling, to cease lying in our sinful anger, stealing and evil speech. And thus, in our way of being perfected by God, beauty once again enters the world. And it begins with us now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.